horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get tied on because we got the Derby on Saturday. Yes, the Midsummer Derby from Saratoga, the Traverse Stakes. A great, great race. Before I get running down uh, the races uh, we're going to look at this week, I want to first tell you who our guests are. Uh, first guest would be Bob Railbird Roberts, a uh, longtime writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. If there's anything about racing in Ohio, Bob's got it trapped in his mind uh, because uh, he's been following the sport forever in the Buckeye State. Well, this is their big day. This is this is their Breeders' Cup. It's called the Best of Ohio. A half a million dollars up for grabs in five races. They've got 50 horses, an average of 10. And uh, amongst those, they have nine state champions. Uh, some of a little off in form, so no such thing as a sure thing. So uh, Bob's going to uh, join me, and we're going to walk through uh, the races. I'll be up there um, this weekend, uh, also presenting our Horse of the Year Awards for the state of Ohio. And then uh, we're going to have Dan Illman. And Dan, I am so gracious that he comes on with us. But I just told him, I said, man, I said, for those big races in New York, you're my go-to guy. So he helped us out on Belmont Day, and he's going to help us out on Travers Day. And there is good racing everywhere this weekend. We won't overlook Ellis Park. Of course, we've got the spa. We got the Buckeyes at Thistledown and there's stakes galore. So with all that action, get in on it. Go to winningponies.com. Pull down your easy win forms. Ding 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 ding. Winner winner chicken dinner today. Indiana Grand, a $1 super box in the fifth, $3,410. Wasn't that worth the price of the sheet? And also today at Gulfstream Park, a $1 pick three, $1,811.80. So it's real easy to get the easy win forms. Go to winningponies.com. And uh, we've come up with some good prices. You only need to hit one of those folks. It'll carry you through most of the season, depending on your betting habits. But uh, this is a really good news that's coming out, is that horse racing viewership on Fox Networks rises 300%. Now, uh, this weekend, they're going to be showing the uh, Run Happy Travers and two other stakes on Saturday. But man, that is, if you want to look for something positive amongst this uh, COVID pandemic is the fact that there's so little live sports, though baseball's up and swinging again, uh, that uh, the, the networks have committed themselves to horse racing, especially since they didn't know, and we still don't know, how long the season's going to last. Uh, so uh, 
they've turned to racing and I, the people have in turn responded. Um, a lot of quotes uh, today from Michael Mulvihill, Fox Sports' executive pre- president of research. And he says, looking across their whole portfolios of sport properties that they've had across sports television, two that have managed the circumstances uh, during the pandemic, the best are NASCAR and horse racing. They are two that have risen to meet the moment and have put themselves in a better position. Most importantly, I believe, for the future. So uh, Mulville said, I think horse racing and programming has really stepped up to fill the void and it's been beneficial. And they, they've had some really good guests, uh, guests that have been on here, uh, Jonathan Kinchin, uh, Andy Serling. Um, they, they usually do about two hours on Fox Sports 2 and then switch over uh, to Fox Sports 1 uh, for some of the bigger stakes races. So uh, no surprise here. We know who the morning line favorite is for the Travers, and that would be Tis the Law. But uh, that is really something else. Uh, You know, uh, the fact that the 300% increase in viewership and – of course, this Mulvihill, he uses industry metrics, and he said the total consumption of horse racing has grown to $1.45 billion this year, as opposed to $365 million at the same point last year. And uh, that measurement is the size of the audience and the minutes watched. So, uh, pat on the back to the television networks that are picking up horse racing. You know we are happy about it. Okay. Well, or we are run happy about it, as we should say, because at the Ellis Park meet, uh, they're running the run happy Ellis Park meet. And the two big races at the end of the car. Now, this is on Sunday. Uh, in the ninth race, it's the groupie doll, 100 thousand dollars and street band will have the doll sophie doyle again in the saddle her regular rider they have now teamed up to win over 1.1 million dollars it must have been early in the four-year-old's career because i don't see it on my pps but she's one for one at ellis park and wow she has been training lights out. Now, she hasn't been seen since the apple blossom at Oaklawn Park, where uh, she really got shuffled far, far back behind and just wasn't able to get any closer to two and a half links to Cece. So uh, she is the tepid three to one choice over Lady Apple. A Steve Asmussen trained curl, and boy, you never see that, do you? Boy, this horse has just been, you know, knocking down uh, you know, some of the tough competition in uh, grade three races um, and uh, has competed in grade ones, finished third in the Kentucky Oaks behind Sarah Genty Empress last year. So that's the groupie doll. Again, this is Sunday, so we'll be covering most of the races between uh, Dan Elman and, uh, and Bob Roberts. Uh, covering Saratoga and uh, the races at Thistledown. But then the one we're really going to watch, at least I I know I am, is the Run Happy Ellis Park Derby. Our guest last week was trainer Tom Drury. And uh, you you, you can't help but like the guy. He's been a guest on this show so many times 
times uh, over the years. And he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, he's sent me a text this week because he's been everywhere. He's been on all, all kinds of, uh, you know, racing platforms. And he said, John, you're the only guy that wanted to interview me when nobody else wanted to. I won't forget you. So uh, I guess Derby week, I'll be able to go on the backstretch and pet our collector on the nose. But anyhow, is uh, currently the four to five favorite in the mile and an eighth run happy Ellis Park Derby, $200,000. And there are Derby points involved uh dean martini winner of the ohio derby in his last start will be there uh and uh he's a he's at 10 to 1 and uh at 92 is shared sense a brad cox trainee who just won impressively as the favorite in the indiana derby so uh florent jaroux and shared sense uh, could be the major threat uh to art collector now uh with uh with Dan Elman, of course, we're going to cover the Run Happy Travers, the Longines Test. That's a grade one, and also the grade one ballerina at Saratoga. Of course, I've always loved, you just got to be able to stay comfortable on the lead. Sarah Gentry Empress uh, is in that field. She's breaking from the one hole, and we'll probably use her speed. Louis Sayez, who I don't ever see him riding her, uh, will be riding. So, uh Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum is going to be helping us out with those Saratoga races. Um, let's take a quick look at uh, the leaderboard because things have changed now with this new lineup. And uh, when I say lineup, I mean schedule to the Kentucky Derby with the points. Uh, amongst the top 10, we'll just go that 10 deep. Tis the Law leads. Authentic is second. Honor AP third art collector now fifth so he doesn't need to win on sunday but i hope he does anyhow number six is king galermo the seven impressive this weekend thousand words uh dr post and ette indian modernist sits at 10 so that's a look at the current leaderboard for the kentucky derby all right got to get to some of the big races last week how about the Whitney improbable, you know, uh, through Iran Ortiz in the gate. And, you know, they, he's just, he's a bad actor in the gate. They know that. And, uh, but he wasn't on Saturday, got a clear break and just the opposite. The favorite Tom's day tot pretty much went to his knees at the start. The gate opened up and he spotted this field just too many links to make up he tried and tried through the lane but by that time improbable who won this race uh well he didn't win this race last year but bob baffert did with mckinsey uh after being fractious <clears throat> he got out of the gate good and pulled away by two with irad ortiz in the saddle second was by my standards and third again a late closing improbable <clears throat> in the personal ensign Objection, objection. This is the second year in a row. And uh, finishing first was Vexatious, who turned back the champion. And uh, all I could say is it was not Midnight Bezu's day. Now, uh, it was her first race since uh, June 20 at Churchill Downs in the Fleur de Lis, where she easily won by eight lengths. But uh, 
just got into gear too late. New rider, Ricardo Santana, because uh, Mike Smith is uh, opting to stay in California. He'll probably wait and make his decision as to whether or not he's coming to Kentucky, I would guess. Yes. And uh, so uh, he, he took the race uh, again. It, Vaxatious took the race over midnight Bizu. Uh, the Allen Jerkins, the winner in there at seven to one, an ass Musin horse. Echo Town gets the job done. And then in the grade two bowling green, uh, after an inquiry and an objection, came down one of my few winners of the day. <laughs> the winner was cross border, uh, over 23 to one shot, uh, uh, Highland Sky. Sadler's Joy was right there, but got DQ'd down to fourth. That's right. Sadler's Joy finished the line first and was DQ'd. All right, winning your in for the Breeders' Cup sprint. That happened out of Del Mar. And the winner in there, Collusion Illusion, who sent away the favorite inside on the rail, made a great move under Flavian Pratt trained by Mark Glatt. And then the Shared Belief, a Derby Points race, now going to Louisville, thousand words, uh, Bob Baffert trained, and uh, at Sunday was the Clement Hirsch, and the winner was Fighting Mad. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to one of the best of the Buckeyes, Bob Roberts. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right, and with me, a longtime friend, uh, an award-winning writer from the Cleveland Plain Dealer. His name is Bob Railbird Roberts. If you used to get the Plain Dealer, he'd have a big smile on his face or a frown pulling his pockets out. He was a public handicapper. He wasn't afraid to put his his uh, picks out there, which is uh, one of the reasons we're having on, him on here uh, tonight. Bob Roberts, how you doing, my friend? Well, I've been uh, trying to hold my own at Saratoga every afternoon, watching the uh, five-hour telecast, so I'm just about even, so that's almost a victory, because those are some tough races to handicap at Saratoga. You probably didn't hear the top of the show. Do you realize that Fox is up 300% in horse racing? Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Well, they do a nice job. You know, I mean, they really do a nice job with that. They they don't seem to spare any expense. They've got... Uh, Four or five, I got like half a dozen handicappers and, and broadcasters on that show. So I salute them. They do a nice job. And I think what they're doing a nice job too, Bob, is if you listen, they're saying things they wouldn't say a year ago. In other words, they're kind of educating people as they go along. They're not yeah. just saying, oh, well, that was a 7 2 exacted that paid 300 bucks. They're like, if, if we tell you it's an exacta, folks, that means that the horses, if you bet them, have to finish an exact order. Just little things like that. I notice they're sliding yeah. into the show, which is good. You know, it's a racetrack education, which we need plenty of. Well, it uh, looks like the, the weather's going to be pretty nice uh, up your way in beautiful North Randall, Ohio, or <laughs> North Randall Road in Emory, Ohio. Am right. I correct? Uh, it's uh, it's uh, the uh, the uh, racetrack is in the village of North Randall, uh, sitting between uh, Route Eight, which is Northfield Road, and Warrensville Road, and the street address is Emory. Right. So correct. we're there. We've been there for oh my God, John! I can't tell how many years I've been going there. Hey, did they reopen the VIP uh, lounge for you? They have not. Uh-huh. The High Rollers room. They have not reopened the High Rollers room. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why. I don't think there's any dead handicappers in there, so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've died a few deaths, but not not real ones. <laughs> no, no, the only deaths oh. I've had up there are my horses that died at the quarter pole. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, geez. You know, you now, talk we'll... about the best of Ohio. You remember the early years of the best of Ohio when it was held at Beulah Park, and Beulah Park really took this thing seriously and brought in, people won't believe some of the headliners they brought in to be part of the Best of Ohio program. How about that? On the Best of Ohio is where Bill Shoemaker's farewell tour began. Did you know I that? Know. I know. I have my picture taken with him, and okay. in tow was Eddie Arcaro. That's right. That's exactly and right. And I, then I, they I, also I, had Julie Crone was part of the Best of Ohio program one year. Right. Right, and then I think you were part of this broadcast. It was I think you were uh, you and Vic Mason were like uh, on the uh, around the track doing reports, and I co-anchored it with the legendary Harvey Pack. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. they they <clears throat> they used to have little flags on Main Street. You know, say right. You know, best yeah. of Ohio, Beulah Park. You know, on right. whatever date it was, uh, you, that, yeah. the city did embrace it. But uh, yeah. for those who don't know it, John, Beulah Park was in Grove City, Ohio, a little town south of downtown Columbus. It's no longer there. It's been uh, mowed over. At one yeah, time, I, they I, called I, it the Saratoga of the Midwest. I've got <laughs> photos, Bob. You can't even see the ground. Yeah, it was taken from the upper clubhouse. All you yeah. saw was straw hats for an eighth of a mile. 
Oh, my goodness. Now, here's a story you'll appreciate more than the average fan. At one time, Beulah Park had its name changed to Darby Downs. I was there. People that John know who worked at the River Downs, which is now Belterra, took over Beulah Park. They invited me to the... uh, to the uh, press party to kick off the opening. And remember Larry Collegian? Oh, he was a beautiful guy. Loved Larry. (laughs) He gave me a quote. I said, well, what do you think here about Darby Downs? He goes, let me tell you something. He says, I don't think the betting, I don't know if he had a couple of drinks in him or what, but he said, I don't know about the betting public being that sophisticated. He says, I could have Shoemaker Day here, Bill Shoemaker Day, and 10 guys would show up to have their loafers resold. <laughs> I remember. I said, I says, can I use that in the paper? He goes, I don't care. Go ahead and use it. <laughs> oh, Larry's a great guy. He left And you remember service. the first phone call? Everybody got around the switchboard. They opened up the switchboard at 8 or 9 a.m. on opening day of Darby Downs, and the first call came in, and the secretary, the operator said, welcome to opening day at Darby Downs, and the guy says, yeah, he says, what time those car races start today? <laughs> <laughs> they were sophisticated in Grove City, weren't they? <laughs> oh, my goodness, and you remember what there was for sale? I mean, it was, it's not politically correct anymore, so I think they eventually took it off, but Hillbilly on the marquee State? at the concession stand and the grandstand was Hillbilly Cheeseburger. It was you great. That? It, was, it, was, it was a quarter-inch slice of bologna. <laughs> With? With cheese. Cheese. Yeah. White bread. Oh, oh, let me, oh I, I, a day didn't go by. I didn't go, did not go down and get one of those. It was kind of like part of I never of the, had one. It was like ha- having Burgoo at Keeneland. It's just something you have to do. <laughs> you know, John, I tell people the story, and you and I did this, by the way, for a video. You start at Thistledown with a hamburger and a hot dog. You get in your car. You drive two hours to Beulah Park. You could have a chill, hillbilly cheeseburger. You get back in the car, do the last hour and a half, two hours to River Downs. Look up at the thing. It'll say, a Met. I go, what's a Met? Now, you tell people what a Met is. I didn't even know what a Met was. It's a it's a met worst. It's kind of like a, a spiced a, uh, a brock worst, you know. It, it's like these, it's a these hot are dog three racetracks in the same state, and it looks like we're in different countries. For God's sakes, when it comes to food. Well, the cuisine <laughs> is different. I must say, up in your neck of the woods, the Italian food is much much better than it is in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, uh, we're the and, well. Of course, you've got the legendary chick, uh, chili, so we don't we don't cotton to that too much. But uh, yeah, it's really different. It's really different. Well, Bob, this is this is a really going to be a fun card uh, yes. uh, to, to bet, particularly the later part of the of the card. Uh, let, let's start with the sixth race. I don't know if you noticed, but you know, Gerardo Corrales uh, decided to take up his tack in Kentucky, and so now he's in COVID prison down there. And oh. uh, Tim Tim Ham has uh, made John McKee his uh, number one rider. So you're oh. going to see John McKee on some legendary horses uh, like Leona's Reward. But uh, And what he did was, Bob, I, I did just talk to him about an hour ago. And in the Best of Ohio Cleveland Kindergarten, that's our first race, uh, he scratched Alexandria and put Alexandria back in the Philly race. So he feels so confident about this Esplanade and that he put the Philly in against the boys. He didn't want his two Phillies racing against each other. And I'll tell you what, though, for Ohio Bread, your second start, you win a stake with a 70 buyer going wire to wire. 
this horse has the rail. It has speed. I, I, I think it's it's the one to beat in here. Yeah, I was going to say when you handy when you said start with the six, I was going to say you have to start with the six then the seven since Tim Ham has the two morning line favorites cross entered in the two races, and you say he's going to leave Esplanade or Esplanade in the uh, in the kindergarten and put uh, Alexandria in the uh, in the uh, Philly race, the Miss That's Ohio. He quoted me about two hours ago that very okay. thing. So, and, and it makes sense. It really does. Oh, I think he might start his day with two winners. What do you think? Yeah, he may well. I, I, I do have a horse that's going to give Alexandria a run for her money. But anyhow, my, my topic in Cleveland, it's not going to be a price, but it might start, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, a nice uh, pick three or something. Uh, right. Uh, Charlie Williams told me, he said, don't be surprised if you don't see some of my horses beat those ham horses. And he's got one in both of these races. Um, Mm. That's Uptown, who ran second to Esplanade. I think the other one's got a better chance against uh, Alexandria. But speed on the rail, I'm sorry. Now, our, our friend Ed Meyer, he's really touting this big on big. As you know, in he's the, the odds maker. Uh, in the kindergarten. He's like, in, yeah, the sixth, the five horse. Yeah, he said mm. it was very impressive and uh, split horses, which is hard to see. Two-year-olds do a lot. The first right. lifetime winner for the sire, Cinco Charlie. So uh, I guess I would make him the bottom of my exacta and maybe just go all. Uh, and it'd probably keep Uptown. Be, uh, well, you know, been, you know Collins is awfully good at this stuff. stuff so he's the trainer of Big on Big. He, uh, he comes to life on the big race days. And looking at these statistics here for the year, is it, is he, he's been red hot, I guess, right? He's winning 43%. at 43%. I don't know if wow. Asmussen's forty three percent. You know, yeah, that's pretty that's strong well. stuff. Wow. Wait. Well, let's go to the ladies' division. The two year old fillies. We've already tipped our hand a little bit in the right. Alexandria, uh, undefeated, two time winner. But I will tell you this: I was at her last race, uh, the uh, Jim Morgan Tada, and uh, she did kind of drift out late in the going. And that mm. this gonna be good. Charlie Williams, who's breaking from the outside, was really making a run. It looked like Alexandra was gonna r- run away with it. Uh, gonna be good actually headed her in the lane, and then but she fought back. Now, if you look at gonna be good's running lines, both of them. This is a two-year-old filly, off slow, off slow. Then I noticed that uh, about two weeks after that last race that uh, the trainer who's actually Silviano Gonzalez that for 17 years was Charlie's assistant, um, mm-hmm. uh, that he, that the horse had a solid gate work uh, at Thistledown. So yes. that, that to me is the mystery horse. I would keep an eye on that horse. And uh, the same partnership, Charlie Williams and Silviano Gonzalez has the first-time starter midshipman in there. But, uh, you know, I, if I've got these experienced horses, uh, uh, an undefeated stakes winner and the horse that ran second behind her, I'm sorry. That's where my attention's going in this race. You got somebody else? No, I think I, I'm, I'm thinking away. I mean, after you telling me about the drift with uh, Alexandria, I'm, I'm looking at Charlie Williams' horse strong now because that was a pretty solid try in the, in the ta-da. They could beat, uh, what, just the length. So, I, right. yeah, and picked up that experience of being in a stake race. So I could see that, yeah. Oh, we're actually we're looking at a at a maiden. We're talking about a maiden here, back to back seconds. 
Yeah, but I, I will say uh, Gerardo Corrales told me after that race, he said, yeah, we, you know, I was real confident. I had a lot of horse. And he goes, then when that horse kind of went by us for a few strides, uh, this filly picked it back up. And don't forget this, Bob. This is an Ohio-bred constitution. You're not going to see right. too many of those. No, you know? no. I thought I saw that. You're right. What is this stud fee, for God's sakes? It's, uh, it's on the roof, isn't it? What's on the roof? The stud fee on that horse. Constitution. What's his stud fee? 40000 Yeah. 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 Well, this yeah. is all part of that uh, Windstar uh, Blazing Meadows partnership that's going to be very – you haven't seen the best of them yet, and they've already had about four state champions. So, well, how, uh, about they, how about they won the uh, – wasn't, uh, wasn't that the partnership that won the Schuylerville opening day at Saratoga? Uh, no, it, no, it was a different ownership. Oh, that's different owners. I know it's yeah. Tim Ham. That's for sure. It was. Yes, it was. Should well, have bet he, that he, horse. She ran a big race. A big race. Let's go on to the Best of Ohio Honey Jays, one of the top sprint races. By the way, all these are hundred granders, and uh, I, I guess the head scratcher in here is a two-time horse of the year, Altissimo. Now he's seven. He's seven years old now. And he's been well-placed his last two starts. Uh, the first one against Open Company, 26000 allowance. The next one was a state bred, uh, but he got beat by Cake Pop, who's in this race. Now, That's right. Uh, again, I know a lot of guys, my buddy Ed Meyer, uh, he loves third race back, you know. And we know this horse has won either this race or a version of it. But he's either won the Ohio Sprint or the Honey Jay four times combined. I know. But and I don't so, know. I'm wondering if age is catching up with him finally. You know, I don't know that. Uh, he's, I don't know if he. Uh, I don't. I didn't go back and look, but has he ever lost back-to-back starts in Ohio? I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I I I couldn't tell you that he lost him. I don't know. But oh. uh, you know, Cake pops in here, who's really starting to peak now as a six-year-old. Believe it or not, he got claimed up at Saratoga many many years ago. Uh, now. Uh, you got last year's champion three-year-old, Diamond Dust, is in there, Hammond right. McKee. Uh, that horse is uh, probably going to be dangerous. Uh, has been out twice this year and really rounded into form in the last optional claimer. But that was on the grass. But th- this horse was very talented last year, won over $209,000. you got to watch him. And then um, I'm not sure if Liberate's going to go or not. Because it's the same connections, but I see that Tim hasn't named a rider. So I'm not really yeah. sure he's going to go. So Altissimo better have his running shoes on. There's some uh, some real competition in there. Uh, what about, and, uh, you left out, uh, how about Buckeye Bullet from the uh, from the rail? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, you know, two for two this season. Now, last year, this was a mystery to me, Bob. He only raced twice. And, he didn't race at all in 2019. He didn't race at all last year. He had run since May of 18. Yeah, and, and he's won the Mike Rowland three times, so we know he likes Thistledown. Exactly uh, he's right. 193000 there. And then the, the horse I don't think you want to overlook is uh, uh, Bruce Talisman's uh, Wicked Warrior. Who, On the outside, uh, yeah. He's, and he's he's been beating older horses. He's only yeah. three. <laughs> This is a very good race. By the way, how many times have you seen a horse that's been undefeated in uh, in back-to-back racing seasons, but over three years? 
<laughs> that would be Buckeye Bullet. Two for two this year and two for two in 2018 without no racing in 2019. You're not going to see that in horse racing very often. Well, Bob, my producer's telling me I only got a minute left, so we got to jam in. Okay. Uh, All right, go. Ohio, pay the man. You go. Well, pay the man. Uh, mm, I don't know. The uh, drill it looks pretty good to me. With the, with uh, Bob Gorham always seems to come up with a win on Ohio Derby. I mean, uh, on Best of Ohio Day. I know Drillit's the uh, slight morning line favorite at three to one, and I think I bet my money on Drillit from the seven hole. How about you? Uh, oh, I like him a lot. I think if you put a line through his last race, he's right there. He loves Thistledown. He's won half of his eight races there and almost $200,000. But you never know when she's going to wake up and have a good day. Leona's reward. Uh, what is she? Uh, a, she did that uh, last year, John. Remember, she didn't. her form didn't look good going into the best of Ohio at Mahoning Valley. And she jumped up, came off the mat, and ran big. Right. Okay. Let's let's get on to the uh, mile and a quarter classic uh, Governor's Buckeye Cup. It looks like our friend Ron Pellucci has a rabbit in there named King Creed to soften things up for uh, Mo. Don't know, but we're finally offering enough money to get Uriah St. Louis back into town. Coming off a Grade Three Westchester finish third. I think he's the one to beat. And believe it or not, Sonny Leone, who's riding this horse, has won yeah. on him twice. I agree with you, but I tell you what, I saw Ron Pellucci last weekend at the track, and uh, he told me Mo Don't Know has never been better. I know he owns the horse, and he's going to brag on him, but if you're looking for a horse who could be, he could be forgotten there because the 11 horse, Verissimo, is the uh, slight morning, well, second choice behind Fort Warren, so you might get a decent price on Mo Don't Know, so if uh, Pellucci's right, we could catch a, could catch a $10 mutual on this horse. I talked to him myself today, and he said the same thing. <laughs> well, well, Bob, my producer's telling me I got to get out of here. It's great talking. All I right, hope John. I see you on Saturday, okay? I'll see you Saturday, boy. Take care now. All right. That was Bob Railbird Roberts. Going to take a quick break and come back with our man from New York and the Daily Racing Forum, Dan Elman. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. And with me, I'm so glad he was able to come on. He came on with us Belmont Day, and now he's coming on uh, Travers Day. Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum uh, just does an outstanding job for the forum on many levels. And, uh, you know, that's his specialty is the, the New York circuit. And we got a great card at Saratoga. Dan, how have you been? Doing great, John. Always nice to talk to you, especially before these big days. And don't get much bigger at Saratoga than Travers Day. No, it doesn't. Well, let's stop at start at the top and work our way back. Um, I don't know if you know. I mean, I, I fell in love with the source when he was a two-year-old and he got beat at uh, at Churchill, and that was uh, "Tis the Law" uh, in the Kentucky Jockey Club. He got shut off about four times during that race, but never stopped, you know. Uh, he was eating mud the whole way, and he showed guts, and I got to see him physically. It's like, man, that's a beautiful horse. Uh, you know, Constitution's so hot right now. I, I, I can't get beyond "Tis the Law," so I just got to look at horses underneath. I, I, give me Dan Elman's read. Oh, I agree with you 100%. You can't knock this horse. All he does is show up with a good effort. And he's just the epitome of professionalism. He's a horse that breaks beautifully in all his races. He's very rateable. He puts Manny Franco wherever Manny wants to go. You watch the Belmont Stakes. He was a winner every step of the way. And turning for home, Manny's cool, calm, and collected. He's looking under his shoulder for any kind of competition. And once he pushes the button, tis the law responds. Now, I guess if you always want to question a mile and a quarter, that could be somewhat of a question mark, but he's out of a tis now broodmare. All tis now did was win two Breeders' Cup Classics in a row. I don't think a mile and a quarter is going to hurt this horse. There's going to be a good pace on. I think he'll tuck in the second flight in behind, and he is way the horse to beat. There's not a price here, but I can't knock this horse at all. I'm with you. I, I, I can't get past him. No, I, I can't. You know, if you want to play tries or whatever, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, Baffert's trying to get a couple more horses uh, into the Derby. And uh, he decided that Uncle Chuck was the one that uh, he was going to send East to take a shot at the Travers. And he's a very talented horse. There's no doubt about it. You watch his two races. He's winning very easily. His ears are pricked. He's crying out for more ground at the end. He's very green. When you watch him, he makes the lead. It looks like he forgets what he's doing. His lead changes are sloppy. But his Los Alamitos Derby, Baffert's no fool. The Travers, I'm sure, was the plan right after this horse won his debut going a two-turn mile. And the Los Al Derby is a very good race to prep for the Travers because the stretch at Los Alamitos is so long. That mile and an eighth plays a little bit longer as a good test of stamina. And Uncle Chuck put away Thousand Words that day, and yeah. Thousand Words, all he did was come back, and he beat Honor AP in the shared belief last week to the tune of a 104 buyer speed figure. So something tells me Uncle Chuck, well, maybe not arrogate just yet, he's pretty good, and he's probably going to be the one to make this the law run. 
Yeah, it's funny you said that because I've read the quotes this week from uh, Baffert kind of comparing the two. Well, you know, he's got a ways to go to get to Arrogate, but he's got even a bigger ways to go to try to get past Tis the Law. And you know how much it would mean to uh, Jack Knowlton and those guys at Sacatoga Stable because I'd say the majority of the owners are from the spa. So it, it's going to be great. Do, do, you know, do you know, Dan, are they letting owners in at Saratoga yet? They are at some of the tracks. I think they're letting some owners in. When I'm watching it on television, I do see some owners in the paddock, and I'm sure there'll be at least one Sacatoga contingent member there. Um, Who knows uh, right now? I think you'll see a couple of people there for a a race like the Travers. The good thing about Saratoga is you can spread people out a little bit, and that's the whole key with social distancing. Absolutely. Well, uh, that uh, was our input on the Run Happy Travers. Uh, We got earlier on the card, we've got uh, another – Grade one in the ballerina, uh, the uh, the catch distance of seven furlongs. Some very talented horses, horses that uh, just uh, do nothing but uh, compete uh, at the highest level. Uh, you've got uh, Millionaire Bellafina. Uh, you've got Millionaire Come Dancing, and you've got the horse that uh, just sometimes leaves me scratching my head. And that's Saragenti Empress. And I don't think, as we watch the pace scenario in this race, there's any doubt that, as usual, especially breaking from the rail, she'll be break into the front. Um, the question is, can she stay there with this talent-laden field of fillies behind her? Well, you're absolutely right about the pace analysis. If Serengeti Empress breaks from the rail, she's going to the lead and the key to the race. Well, I don't think she's good enough to win. I think Cookie Doe, the number two, has enough speed to keep Serengeti Empress honest. We saw that in the Apple Blossom, where Cookie Doe actually outbroke Serengeti Empress and got to the front, and both of them paid the price after just being up close to a blistering early pace. If Cookie Doe can soften up Serengeti Empress, it sets things up for the closers. What fascinates me about the ballerino is you mentioned the three big names. Those are the most accomplished horses in the race. Those are the, quote, best, unquote, horses in the race. But those are horses that might have seen better days. And you've got a couple of horses in here that are perhaps the up-and-comers, whether it's a victim of love at 15-1, to 1, whether it's a Latruska at 5-1. to 1. I think the way I'm going to attack this race is play one of the established horses and one of the up-and-comers. And I think the established horse I want to use is Bellafina. Even though maybe she hasn't returned to form this year as good as she was last year, I think she has excuses for her two losses. She had the rail in both the carousel and the great lady M stakes, and she broke poorly both times. Breaking from post four outside of the other two speeds, I think Jose Ortiz is going to take up a prime tracking position off those two, and she'll be the first to attack the two pace horses. And as for Latruska, she just could be any kind. She's won two out of her last three. The horse she beat in both of those races Madeline came back to win the Summer Colony Stakes at Saratoga early this week. That's a legitimate horse. She beat a nice horse in Golden Award. Latruska looks like a pure speed horse, and she doesn't have the speed of Serengeti Empress or Cookie Dough. But it'll be interesting to see. Maybe she can sit off and finish for Ricardo Santana. She's kind of the price horse I'm using. So I'll probably look at Bellafina and Latruska as my two keys. Well, I can certainly see it. Uh, Give me a little input on Come Dancing, who really... It doesn't miss any opportunity to get into a graded stakes race and is two for three at Saratoga. I won this race last year, although you could argue she was coming into the ballerina in 2019 in much better form than she's in right now. Another one that has excuses. She's only raced twice this year and once was a curious spot. 
For a horse that's made most of her hay around one turn sprinting, I'm not sure why they ran Come Dancing and the Apple Blossom off of a layoff going two turns. It just was a curious spot. She was up close to a fast pace. She didn't run very well. And I'm just not even counting that race. Last time out on the vagrancy, I'm not going to give her the excuse of a wet track because she loves it. I'm going to give her the excuse that she's still racing herself back into shape. She ran okay to be second. She's going to have to do a lot better than that. But she does have it in her, and she does have the ability to sit off of a fast pace. So come dancing is, is a logical contender. And again, if, if she's the third choice in this race, you could certainly make a case. Remember, she was 3-5 to five in this race last year. Well, yeah. You know, I, I guess I didn't go back that far to really examine um... – last year but all i see is grade one grade two grade three and i mean it, it, the competition she's had is uh is uh pr- pretty amazing and javier castellano no stranger to her she likes the spa she likes the distance you know seven furlongs that in betwixt kind of uh distance that uh, if a horse relishes it i think you've, you've got to go with him but um We'll find out. I, I know Sarah Gatry Empress over her career has had some bleeding problems, and uh, it's it stopped her in some of her races. And uh, we'll see if she can get back to her winning ways in the Grade One Bell Arena. Well, uh, following that race, it's it's only a Grade Three for two hundred thousand uh, dollars, but it's uh, one of those uh, sprint races on the turf. And uh, I'm not sure what kind of thinking you put into that, but you you, you look at, uh, you know, horses probably overmatched, American Sailor, 32 times this, this guy has run seven furlongs and has won 10, finished second, six, and three third times. I'm not telling uh, he's the horse I like because the other one that absolutely it sells um, at this distance is in Primus, if I'm saying that correct, um, who uh, will be making its return to the races. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, how well uh, Joe Orsino trains off a long layoff against there, against this uh, uh, talented field. Uh, Shiki Shabazz is one that you've got to consider. And Pure Sensation is one over half of his starts uh, going this Five and a half on the turf. Now, these are some salty old campaigners, to be sure. But it's interesting to me that the two horses that are going to take the money, and that's going to be Pure Sensation, who's seeking his 15th lifetime win. He's nine years old. He's banked over $2 million in his career. And Imprimis, who hasn't run since the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, but just look at his record, just, just fast race after fast race when he's right. Both of those horses, well, there's some question marks about their form, and I'm not sure how short I want to go on the tote with either one of them. Imprimis hasn't run since the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Supposedly, he's had two throat surgeries since that race. The layoff, not too worried about it. You saw what he did in his first start of 2019 off about a six-month layoff. He popped a 110 buyer speed figure at Gulfstream Park, but... I think there's always a little bit of a question mark with a, a late-running closer in a turf sprint like this where there's pace, but maybe not blistering pace. An American sailor is going to show some speed, and so is pure sensation. But I wonder if Imprimis might be left with a little bit too much to do at a shortish price. 
And as for pure sensation, it's hard to knock a horse that all he does is show up and compete, but his race in the Jiper off a layoff was just not good. And yes, he did get caught up in a wicked pace battle and a race that went to closers, but the old pure sensation I don't think would have completely pitched it and finished next of last with a 64 buyer speed figure. So while turning back a distance is going to work for him, maybe getting a class drop out of that grade one is going to work for him, and perhaps sitting a little bit of a better trip uh, off a not-such-a-fast-pace will work for him. I'm not sure how short I want to go with him uh, on the tote. This race gave me problems simply because the two favorites have question marks, and, and I'm looking for a price, and I wonder if chewing gum drifts up a little bit off the 9-2 to two morning line. This is a horse that I think is going to relish the turn back in distance. They tried to run him seven last time out. He came with a little bit of a run, but he looked flat in the last 16th of a mile, a horse that might have found that seven furlongs a little bit too far. He's sort of the up-and-comer in here. You've got horses that have won, you know, 20, 25 times. This is a horse that's only run 11 times. I think we've yet to see Chewing Gum's best race. And if he drifts off that 9-2, to two, I'll fool around with him maybe uh, at a decent price. Uh, Dan, looking at yeah. uh, Pure Sensations trainer, Christophe Clement, what a sensational season. I mean, is, is he like mainlining the Man of War spring water or what? It is it is absolutely remarkable. He's always been a great trainer, obviously. He had Tonalista on the Belmont Stakes and many, many other good horses. But when you think Saratoga, you think Chad Brown, you think Todd Pletcher. Christophe Clement is one of those guys that wins a lot of races, and he kind of falls under the radar because he's not Chad or Todd. But he is just sending out horses that are winning left and right, and it doesn't matter whether they're turf horses, whether they're two-year-olds, whether they're running on dirt. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he can get pure sensation back into form. It, it should be interesting, but it seems like every time I look up in a graded stakes race, he's walking into the winner's circle and getting interviewed <clears throat> six feet away from the host, mind you. Um, let's, uh, let's go to the Longines test. Uh, I, I got a feeling uh, this is – Gamines, Kentucky Oaks Prep. Oh, this is Gamines, uh, Kentucky Oaks Prep. There's no doubt about it. She hasn't been headed in three lifetime starts. What can you say about the acorn other than, wow, 110 buyer speed figure, winning by a country mile? I mean, she looked like the best, if not one of the best, three-year-old fillies in the country in that race. The test is kind of a different animal, though. She's turning back to seven furlongs, and I don't think she's going to have it as easy on the lead. Is she the horse to beat? Sure. Is she the most likely winner? Sure. But Wicked Whisper, who went gate to wire in the Frisette last year, is going to show some speed. And Venetian Harbor, who's a graded stakes winner on the lead and has been chasing two very good three-year-old fillies in their own right, Swiss Skydiver and Speech in her last two, she's going to show speed as well. So Gamine's going to have to run a little bit to win this race. If you wanted to take a crazy stab, maybe Mrs. Danvers, the Tappet filly, is the kind of horse you might want to use if you think this pace could fall apart. Because Mrs. Danvers is a horse that's always had a ton of ability. She made her debut last year at Saratoga, and she must have broke about three lengths slow. And then she was four wide on the turn, and a first-time starter is not winning a race like that. And she ran well to be third. She won her second start, and look who she beat. She beat Finite, who earlier this year was one of the better three-year-old fillies in the country. They were going to run her in the frisette. She came down with an ankle chip. She missed the rest of the year. And she's had two races now back as a three-year-old, one against an older stakes horse, Indian Pride, and then last time out where she didn't break very well and was in between horses. I like that Chug McGahee's running her here. He knew Gamine was going to run here. He didn't have to put Mrs. Danvers in this race. If this pace falls apart, I think Mrs. Danvers is going to be running late. She's 8-1 to one on the morning line. And if you don't believe she can beat Gamine, maybe you could use her underneath to at least try to spice up what should be a paltry 
uh, single race exotic. Well, you know, I had a feeling, but my second choice is probably the horse you alluded to, uh, Venetian Harbor. Uh, it just seems like Richard Baltus, whatever he's doing, this horse just keeps getting a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. But like you said, has all most of those impressive races were done on the front end, and uh, she sure as heck isn't going to be alone in this race. No, not at all, but she does have an outside post position, which does give Joel Rosario options. Uh, if Gamin gets as a flyer, if Wicked Whisper catches a flyer, maybe Venetian Harbor can sit off in her career debut on the turf. She sat off a horse and she almost got it done. I think the turn back is really key for her. I really think she's a sprinter at heart, or if not a sprinter, a one-turn seven furlong miler. I like cutbacks at seven furlongs. I think that's a really great handicapping angle in dirt races. And Venetian Harbor really legged up from a stamina standpoint in her last three route races. I just, in the Ashland, I just couldn't find an excuse other than maybe the distance was too far and that speech is a better horse, but she was three to five and she was loose and she just had nothing left in the stretch. And that's a short stretch at a mile and a 16th in the Ashland. Well, Dan, I didn't have this on the original menu, but I know uh, you and Nicole Russo do your spa babies. And uh, we got the two-year-olds going on Friday in the Saratoga special. Uh, and uh, it looks to be an interesting group. I do re- remember uh, Casadero's damn wild gams. I'm pretty sure she was a graded stakes winner at Keeneland because I've got photos of her uh, from down there. And undefeated, Steve Asmussen, extremely well-bred Stone Street. Uh, is is uh, is he the one to beat, or is it Wesley Ward, where the two-year-old can never be ignored, and Roderick, and there's a probably couple others you, you you looked at or you know something about their deep family that we should be aware of. Oh, there are some others in here to be sure. It's funny that you mentioned Casadero because I agree with you. He is the horse to beat, but he has the third fastest last buyer speed figure. That's the quality of competition he's going to be facing in the Saratoga special. Roderick might scratch and run at Del Mar over the weekend, so uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. I'm not going to handicap with him in mind right now because I think they're going to find that spot better. I like everything I've seen about Casadero. This is a colt who has just been professional. He's big. He's good-looking. He is just a precocious man among boys right now. And I wonder if he'll be the kind of colt that next year, you know, they catch up to him and we're saying, well, I remember Casadero, he was an early two-year-old and he never panned out. But right now he's panning out, and he's panning out very, very well. I love the way he won the Bashford Manor. He just parked off the other two speeds. He attacked on the turn. He went about his business. And I think he can sit any kind of a trip. He's going to be the favorite in this race. I hate to give out the chalk in a race like this, but I just think that if the Casadero that we saw at Churchill Downs shows up, he's just going to win. He's just been that impressive to me. The number nine, the ride of a lifetime, is a horse that I think you need to consider because he aired at Keeneland. He looked like a horse that needed his career debut, and he was beaten by Steve Asmussen's other horse, Jackie's Warrior, the 10. And he just showed up as a, as a much more professional and focused horse in his second start at Keeneland. Much better early speed, finished the race off with a plum. I think that the ride of a lifetime for Nacho Correas might offer a little bit of value, even with Jose Ortiz aboard, and he does have the best last buyer speed figure in 85, and that's pretty good for a two-year-old in July. Dan, my producer's telling me i got to wrap. Thanks a million. Dan Elman for the Daily Racing Forum. Go to the website, and you'll find him. Thanks a million. Thank you for listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right here, same time, next week. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.